0: So this morning, I, I'm really excited to be able to share this message with you. What I'm what I going to be doing is we're going to be sharing, continue to be shared out of the, of the book of Acts, and it's going to be specifically out of Acts um, 18, chapter 18, and in this chapter, Luke accounts for how Paul goes to the the, the city of Corinth. And, um, and really what I'm going to be doing this morning is we're going to be basically looking at what Luke records of what Paul does when he goes to the city. And with an intent to plot the church and, and his heart, we're gonna be sharing his heart of what he feels for this church. And uh, I'm so excited that uh, um, as I was preparing, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing when you're, you're vulnerable, you're working, you're, you're, you've got a lot happening at work, but you, you're desperate to, to bring this message and get the Lord to just help us, help me, to prepare for this and as the the journey goes, I see the Holy Spirit helping me and showing me and leading me Um, and then one gets excited because you know that this is what God wants to share with the church and it's with that excitement that I'm actually gonna be sharing. So um, I'm really praying that as we share these truths out of this church in Corinth, because really it was amazing as I was preparing as I realized how many of these truths or similarities They are without church here in Zook. I really prayed really for all of us that of the truths that I'm going to be sharing today, that I'll just pray that for each one of us here, at least one of those truths, I'm hoping for more, that they would not only be heard, but you'll take it to heart and it will bear fruit tenfold as you apply this in your life every single day. Um, And and it's just real for, for us here as we really are a church living the today's acts of God. As believers in Jesus Christ. So that's where we're going and um, I'd like to just pray first and then uh, I'd like to start the the rest of the message. Father I thank you for this time. Lord I I also want to just pray Lord I know that there are people in the in the service today and those that are online Lord you've called them here for a purpose to hear your word. Lord you want to change their perspectives of something today forever and I ask Lord that you would let our hearts be open and we'd allow your word to pierce through all that stuff, and we will never be the same again, Lord. I bring that as a as a declaration in faith in Jesus' name, Amen. So, what I thought is just before I started reading the Word, um, I needed to give you guys an idea, and there's there's basically one image that gives you an understanding. I'm going to want to set the scene of of where this church is and why this church was so important, and um, I found just a, a, an image. That'll help you guys to just see now. If you look on the screen, thanks, Rinas You've got these little orange or, or green dots that you see there. You see Athens. Um, you see below that you see Corinth. You see almost in para, almost in kind of diagonally across you see Ephesus, and right at the top there you see the uh, the Thessalonians or the Thessalonians, the Thessalonian church that you see at the top there. Now, what you're seeing there on the on your on your left, on your right. Is the is, is is Greece you get the northern part of Greece and you get the southern part of Greece and on the next image you can see the most importance why Corinth was so important you see that there was this little little piece that connects the northern part of Greece with the southern part of Greece and that that little little piece there is called the isthmus of Corinth which is the strait of Corinth now in ancient times this was the the way that sailors would port across there was a port on the uh the this the the, the asian side and there was a port with where Corinth is and the sailors would not want to travel with a dangerous sea of 320 kilometers all the way around the southern part of greece they'd rather bring their ships to the port and then they would do if they were smaller ships they would roll them across this uh, basically six kilometers and then they'd land up on the other side of corinth and then from there they'd port again and then they'd sail all the way to rome and and this is why corinth becomes such an important city it was a city with all different kinds of cultures religions people from different backgrounds nationalities um sound, sounds a little bit like lift um that i came to the city and they're in the city um and there's and, and it's in the city that at paul is called to come and plant a church And so with this understanding of the importance of this city, I'd like to read how Paul describes Paul's entry and his plan and and how he starts, um, why he goes to that specific city. I'm going to take us to Acts chapter 18. We're going to read the first um, two or three verses. And this is is Luke writing and he says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a, a Jew named Aquila, a native to Pontus. Recently come from Italy where his wife Prescylla, uh, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome and he went to see them. There's so much in this little passage that gives us some context of what was going on, why it's happening. There's some historical context. You see the word uh, uh, Claudius. Um, if you look and you just look at some of the historians, there's three historians that gives us some context. These guys specifically quote this about that time. These historians were called Sentius, Cassidius Dio, and Paulius Aurorius. I hope I, I, I worked on saying those. I practiced quite a lot to say this. Um, and this is what they recorded about the Acts and, the, um, and what Claudius did as the empire of Rome. That is between 41 AD and 53 AD. It says, he expelled the Jews from Rome for the constant disruptions and the rioting amongst Jews. He doesn't specifically mention, In the historians don't mention that, of course, the writing was between the Orthodox Jews and, and what, was, what was happening with the Christian Jews. But in essence, he didn't persecute them, he just expelled them from Rome. And they scattered across the known world at that stage. And there was this couple named Priscilla and Aquila that ended up in Corinth and what makes it so important we're introduced to this this couple if we know a little bit more about them you realize when Paul writes to the to the to the church back in Rome he sends greetings to the church but he calls them his co-workers in Christ so they were they and if you put the dots together they also were were tent makers by trade and um, I've, I've kind of taken the liberty just to give you some idea so in Rome this was Paul's strategy he used wherever he went He went to the guild, he was a tent maker by trade, and he he worked to pay his way, joined the guild, and then would work as a tent maker. And similarly, in that space, putting the dots together, this is Ken's little piece of extra thinking, uh, one day we'll know in heaven. But I, I assume that in that time, he met this couple. Through that, they became Christians, followers of Jesus. And of course, he knew that they'd left and knew that they went to Corinth. And so he seeks them out. And in this verse, we find that he, he finds them. And um, through that, this couple and him plant the church in Corinth. Now, there's so much more just to kind of understand a little bit about, as we saw that picture. And I'm going to ask rina just to go back to the picture again, the, 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 the amplified one. Um, that just gives you a little bit of idea about tent making. And I started reading all this amazing stuff. And I wanted to share two or three facts The one thing is that the way they made tents in those days, they used sheep wool and they used a thing called, I just want to quote it, um, I just want to quickly quote the stuff that they used. It's kind of, it's called, um, I'll I'll get it later, I'm all confused now, I can't see it on the screen, on my thing, but it's basically, it's it's a material they used to make tents and you must just imagine now, the ships arrive, there's a lot of sailors they need place to stay on the sides of the land while they port all the goods either across the land or they journey with the six kilometers with their boats. They need tents. It's a bustling trade. The city is full of people from all different areas. It's also mentioned in some of the historical accounts that this was a city that was full of cultural, it had museums, it was full of um, you know different religions. Um, but it says this, which is kind of, Um, Kind of an important fact that we should just know about the city, that it was filled with people that partied hard, drank hard, were very promiscuous, immorality was part of life, um, very wealthy people, and a lot of trade that happens in and around that city. That's the culture in which Corinth was blooming. And in the midst of that, we read in the next verses, Paul's strategy of how he approaches the church the church and how he plants the church so if we continue reading from verse 4 sorry Renis, i'm messing you around from verse 4 oh, i'll just I'll, I'll pick it up from verse 3 and because he was sorry we're back there and and he reasoned with the sy- with the synagogues uh, every sabbath and tried to persuade the jews and greeks then in verse 5 it says when silas and timothy these are two of his disciples arrived from macedonia Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they had opposed and re- and, re- and rivalled him and, uh, reviled him, he shook out his garment and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And then we read. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Tertius, Justus, a worshipper of God. And his house was next to the synagogue next to the next door to the synagogue and Crispus the ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord together with his entire household and Mary of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision do not be afraid but go and speak and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in the city who are my people And then he ends off this passage by saying, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So, there's many truths that stand out of his strategy towards how we approach the church. And to be very honest, for all of us, this is the way churches are planted even today. And this is the way Lift was planted. People arrived in the city with a trade, with a job, but with the intent of planting a church. And they would share about Jesus to those people that they were surrounded with. And they would invite them, as they were prompted, as the people would be interested, to come to their homes to hear more about Jesus. And the people would come on the invitation. Knowing that there's people that are going to meet and I'm going to hear more of what this person that's been working with me is sharing about. And they'd come and they'd hear people testify of what God has been doing in their lives. They'd hear the people singing. They'd be able to see the people praying. They'd hear God's word being shared to them. And they'd see these believers sharing communion together. And of course there was a lot of fellowship there would be something to eat there would be something to drink and it's in that context that is church that the church is born these people tell other people these people also get together these people also start telling and how they start experiencing god then people were baptized households were baptized they believed and were baptized if i think of if lifts and i think of you know 18 years ago almost to the day that's how we started And God is so faithful. But it was exactly the same principle. And it is just an incredible thing how God uses this pattern of us believers in a city to be able to reach out to others. And and really, that is one of those truths. And I was so reminded of what Christo shared uh, almost two weeks ago. And I I just want to quote that because it just hit me right in the chest. As he said, um, many of you think that you are in Switzerland because of the opportunities you have that have been presented itself to you. And he said this. If you are a Christ follower, know this. God has brought you here for his purpose and his glory. Church, this is the truth for all of us that are Christians in this place. That God has brought you to the city for his glory and for his purpose. It is not just because there's a great job that's been called to be yours, to be running and things to be done in the city. There is a bigger purpose. Um, I find myself just reminded so often by my wife, Christine. She's not just, she's on a course, a physio course this weekend. Um, she always says to me, my love, we are the fragrance of Christ. There's a verse in Corinthians. And, um, and, and, and we need to be the fragrance. People will know that we are Christians because we are the fragrance of Christ to those around us. In your working environment. You don't even have to say anything. There's something about you that people sense. There's a joy, there's a, there's, an, there's, a, there's a Godness about you that people identify because you are children of God. It is for us to be obedient in the Holy Spirit and have the courage to respond to them experiencing us as the fragrance of, of God. And, and this is really what Paul calls us, it's the first kind of application that we find specifically that God gives us, especially out of this word. It's found in the verses 9 and 10 and it's, and it's, it's very clear. It's when Paul, has, has in a vision, the Lord says to him, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Friends, this is the call that we all have. We need to not be afraid. We need to have courage on Monday morning when someone says, how was your weekend? Kind of you list all the other great things that you did, but you don't talk about this that is great. And just to share, but you know, it's such a great time at church. And, exp- and just leave it there maybe just drop the mic there and walk away but trust God to do what he does as you start saying that this was so cool about my weekend don't be afraid take courage the Lord says I will be with you and I will not let them attack you I find myself sometimes praying before I go to work on a Monday Lord I am anxious about this or that but Lord this word says to me I mustn't be afraid I mustn't be anxious give me the courage when someone asks me what did you do this weekend yes I went on an amazing zeppelin flight over the lake of constance but this was I had something even better I went to church on Sunday I haven't that's that might come on Monday but you know I need courage to do that and that's the first application that we have as a church living the acts of being an, a gospel-centered church in this city that God has called us we need to share and be courageous to share what god is doing of course he goes on just to end this passage by saying you know he went on to stay with him for a year and six months and at that point um, i find myself saying you know i i wanted to know more maybe in the acts maybe in the book of acts there's there's more that that luke writes about the, the church of corinth and I didn't find anything. Of course I knew about the books. There's two letters that he writes to the church. He writes this to the church, of course, when the church has gone really pear-shaped. There's all kinds of things that have happened in this church a few years after he's left. There's um, complete disunity in some places. Some of the church members are taking other church members to court. There's sexual immorality. There's um, misusing of the communion. It's hard to me to imagine how they do that. But there's something there that happened that, that was completely out of order. And it's in this context that, that Paul writes these letters to the churches. And those are sermons all on their own. But in my heart, I felt, Lord, I want to know about what Paul felt for this church. What did he, you know, uh, how do I see his heart for this church? And this is what I love about the Lord. Because I was wrestling with that and, and, I, and I was, I mean, I've only done two pages of my sermon. And I'm thinking, Lord, I need more. But I, I was also just wanting to encourage you. And this is how God works. So in our small group, we were sharing from the previous, a few weeks ago, sharing on one of the messages that was shared. And I have permission to say this. Um, uh, one of the guys that's new in the church, Robert, you've seen him something working in the, in, the, in the coffee area. Robert was there. And as we were sharing, Robert said, and I'm quoting him because as he said it, I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. He says, Ken, this is, this is what you need to talk about. And this is what he said. He um, said, and if Robert was here, I would have just called him to the mic. He wouldn't have known that, but he's not here. I know he's, he's away this weekend. But I, I actually just wanted to quote it. He says, A popular impression of Paul is that he could be a bit of a rabble rouser. But reading through his letters, I see a different person. Paul was often appealing. Uh, un, uh, Paul was often appealing and pleading for his audience. And most importantly, he was always appealing to Christ. In Romans, he says, Uh, It it just captures his attitude and his heart towards the church he was speaking to. Um, Also, he always refers to God as the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. And specifically speaking, calling out to the church in Philippi, he said this. And you can just see his heart as he mentions this in Philippians 3 verse 18. He says, I'm telling you even with tears. And so as he said this, I could see this man who's been reading Paul's letters with his heart of wanting to see God and see how his heart for his church is being expressed and so I said Oh, that's it Lord let me read the, the letters to the Corinthians and try to find some of these truths that would encourage us and this is how amazing the Lord is so I'm, I'm working through uh, the Bible in one year it's found on, on, on the Bible app it's done by Nicky Gumbel and his wife it is absolutely amazing you can start any time of the year you don't have to wait for January and um, and of course what happens the next Part that I'm listening to is on the opening letter of Corinthians in the first six or seven verses. And as I'm hearing this, I'm seeing these truths just come to life. And I'm feeling the Holy Spirit say to me, My boy, that's what you need to share. These are the truths of his heart towards the church. Before he starts telling them about what they should and shouldn't do and how they should address these things, he shares his heart to them. And so, what I bring to you in these remaining minutes is really just some it's four truths that i want to implant in our hearts and i really want us to just know this for ourselves and, and own this for ourselves so i'm going to read it first it's from 1 corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 allow me just to read it to us paul says paul called by the will of god to be an apostle of jesus christ and our brother Sostheus to the church of god that is in corinth to those sanctified in christ called to be saints together with all those in every place called upon the name of the lord jesus both their lord and ours grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ i give thanks to god always for you because of the grace of god that is given to you in jesus christ that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking at any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a lot said here. But the way I kind of felt it for myself is imagine friends imagine we as a church got a letter from one of the early church fathers written to us and we read it this way to lift the church of god that is in zook to those sanctified in christ called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the lord jesus Both their Lord and our Lord, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This letter you can apply to us as a church in the city of Zook. And that just meant so much to me because I started seeing that this is the heart of God as he speaks to us as a church. And as I said, there's four truths that are mentioned in this passage which I just want to expand on and I just want to encourage you um, as, as we share this together. The first one is that we must hold on to that we share the same Lord with one another. The verse that he says it to us very clearly there, he says both their Lord and our, ours. He's explaining to them that we have one Jesus Christ. Friends, you'd be amazed... When you start speaking to people who have a different perception of Jesus in the church we need to be in unit we need to be united in what Jesus is and who he is and what he does here in this short passage he shows two foundational truths that all of us here that are believers in Christ should hold on to and firmly believe and just know that it's truth and it's just something to be just so reassured with and the first truth is he says they must be sanctified in Christ and called to be holy people. The second truth that he shares is that all of us who call on the name of the Lord believe in the same Jesus. I want to just expand on the first one. What does it mean to be sanctified in Jesus Christ? That's found in verse 2. He says, To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those, everywhere uh, to call call those who in every place upon upon on the name of the Lord Jesus both here both both their Lord and our Lord every Christian in this place and in the world is someone who is sanctified in Jesus Christ that's it that's the statement I'm making that's the statement I know to be true what does it mean to be sanctified friends Sanctification means that we set apart. We are made holy, very important, we are made holy through the holiness of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, we are made holy. You are made sanctified, you are set apart. There's nothing that you or I can do to make yourself holy. There's a lot of things that we do that is not holy, even although we're made holy. But if you know this truth to be truthful in your life, that when Jesus sees you, when the Father sees you, he sees someone that is holy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It should call you and me that when we're not holy, and often we're not holy, to have that sense that I don't want to be like that because I know you don't see me like that. It must spur in us the sense of wanting to be holy. To strive after being, not being in that situation, not doing that thing again. Because we know our Lord doesn't see us that way. Because what Jesus did for us on the cross, through his blood, we are sanctified, we are made holy. There's quite a few verses, I've picked one just to give, there's two but I'll pick one and just read it. That's from Hebrews chapter 13. From verses 11 and 12, 11 he really expands using looking back at the old covenant and explains what it means for the sacrifice. And I'm going to read specifically verse 12. Verse 12 says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate, meaning he suffered on the cross, outside the city, outside the temple, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. This is a truth that we should own. And It's just just a, a reality that we need to live by and settle into our hearts. Paul is saying to us, there's this unity in us if all of us know that we are holy in the sight of God through the blood of Jesus. And it should spur us on to be obedient to God's word because there's times in my life when I'm not holy and I just, I know I'm not holy. And it irks me because I don't want to be there and I realize the error. And I have to, fall. I I, I cling to this verse, I start saying it to me, I say, Lord Jesus, um, through the blood of Jesus, I am set apart, I am holy, Lord, I don't feel holy right now, but through your blood I know that you see I'm holy, and Lord, I just confess that to you, and I ask you, Lord, to just help me to own that afresh, forgive me for what I've just done, because I know that wasn't right, because I know you don't see me that way. That's just one foundational truth I wanted to share. The second thing is that he says that we are called, he says, that, he says that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and our Lord. Friends, when I say that, I'll, I'm just reminded of Romans chapter 10 verse 13, which is an incredible verse for you, you should know in your heart and it should just come out when you see somebody that says the name of the Lord Jesus. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, he or oh, they will be saved. And this has hit me so much in this week. I've got a friend uh, who's lying in a coma. He woke up, well, he didn't wake up. He was lying in bed and they found him on Monday. Um, they're still trying to figure out what's wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with his brain. There's nothing wrong with his with his heart. But he's in a coma. They think it might be cerebral malaria. Um, and he's not responding uh, to anything at the moment. And it's been a week, but but this is the thing that really gets to me because this guy his name is Pierre. he's been here at church with us i speak to him maybe once every two weeks we watch up at least weekends he was with me in my engineering university back in the 80s dates me a bit and um we've journeyed together for many years and um we've uh, he sometimes listens to the messages he listens he'll he'll ask us ask me what's what's happening and then he's he's actually had some phone calls with Pierre. there's a wonderful bit of relationship there but Pierre confessed to me, even when we spoke in the last, few, last time, he said, Ken, I just cannot come to the place to believe that Jesus is Lord. I know that there's a creator, and I've heard all these things that you guys have said, but I just think that it can't just be Jesus. I just can't accept that he is Lord. And now he's in a coma. And, and I'm, I'm clinging on to the fact that God will just give him a chance. Because I know this to be true. That he has never called on the name of the Lord. He doesn't believe that Jesus is the Lord God Almighty. Um, another thing that really, if I think of all the saddest moments that I've had in, in being in Switzerland, or not just Switzerland, but in Europe for the last 20 years, theres m- the most saddest moments in my life, yeah, it's going to sound weird, is when I've been in a church service in, in Europe, where the name of Jesus is not mentioned when, when they preach. I've been in services not one many times where I'm just thinking Lord how can this be that they don't even say the name of Jesus there might be some liturgy but when they preach it's a it's a very intellectual thing but Jesus's name is not even mentioned he's not even the, the name of the Lord is not called on and um, and that just makes me so sad I, it just really saddens me and I've tried to kind of be honest but that's that's the truth for me I wish it wasn't that but that's 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 how it is in the world we're living in, in this place. So the truth there, friends, is we need to know this. You are holy. And if you call on the name of the Lord, there's a unity and a oneness in us, in this church. Because that's what we do here. That's what we believe. The second truth that is mentioned is an incredible one as well. And that is that we must get, we must believe and understand The grace that is found in Jesus and I used a bit of slang here because that's just kind of the way I speak sometimes I said that we need to get this we need to get I'm losing my pages we not only get the grace physically but we need to get it in our heads we need to understand the grace of God Um, and the verse that he specifically speaks about that's um, verses three he says The grace to you and peace for god our father and the lord jesus christ i give thanks to god always for because of the grace of god that i that was given you in jesus christ in christ jesus so he says that we have been given grace incredible thing he gives thanks for the fact that we as that this church understands that they've been given grace then there's a verse verse in hebrews chapter 14 from the writer 14 verse 6 uh, 4 verse 16 that friends for peer this is where i am at this is where i hang this is where i, I cry out to god it's this verse about grace and i'm going to read it in the amplified if someone's heard me preach you know i love the amplified the amplified is just a version of the bible that kind of amplifies some of the greek words so when you read it there's little brackets and i just love what it does to god's word so just hear this verse as, as i read it for you and it's speaking about grace let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace in brackets the throne of god's unmerited favor to, his, to us sinners that we may receive mercy in brackets for our failures and find grace to help in the good times for every need in brackets appropriated help and the well-timed help coming just when we need it well as I said friends this grace not only that was given to us and shown to us and demonstrated through Christ dying on the cross and grace being an unmerited un- undeserved costless attitude of love that's been given to each of us through the cross but also today that we get it every day that we understand that we are given grace in the situations that we live in every day it's not something that's just happened it's there for us today I hang on this pleading for the Lord while my friend's unconscious even in his unconsciousness Lord will he call on the name of the Lord I hang on the fact that I'm at the throne of grace pleading for my friend it's all I can do and the story is real for many of us, because some of us have different backgrounds and different parts of God's body that we come from, and grace, friends, is not something that some people believe. They believe it's not there until we pray for forgiveness. And if something happens, I remember journeying with a friend, and one night we were sitting in a car, and we'd been friends for a few years, and I said, and it's something he said to me, and, and, and then I said to him, but... What does that mean to right now if a bus hit us? And he said, well, you know, because I haven't confessed my sins since this morning, I'm a concerned. And I realized, oh, this friend of mine's living in that space of this, of this heaviness. He doesn't understand grace. And us as a church, if you don't know grace, you please come and speak to me. Because I'd love to share with you how God is graciously, and, and I thought, how do I explain this? There's one person that just describes it so amazingly. And uh, I have to quote him. This is from Tim Keller. And he says this about grace. He says, God sees us as we are, loves us as we are, and accepts us as we are. But by his grace, he does not leave us as we are. Oh, this man has been anointed when he speaks about God's word he goes on to say when we grasp that we are unworthy sinners saved by an infinitely costly grace it destroys both our selfishness and our need to ridicule others friends in this church we are from different backgrounds we have people that have come from a catholic background we have hyper charismatic people we have orthodox guys all coming to this city in zook and find themselves drawn to be part of this church We need to understand grace and we need to live grace so that we don't ridicule others when they don't get it yet. And we don't feel self-righteous because we think we understand it. That's when we start living God's grace and we start experiencing it as we walk with people. But that's what will be preached from this pulpit and it is a most amazing thing. So that's the second one, as I mentioned, that we need to understand we've got to accept God's grace. Many of us have a hard time accepting God's grace because we just don't feel worthy. He's going to blow you over if you journey with us in this church because you're going to experience it over and over and over in your lives. The final two are really kind of grouped together. How am I doing for time? Lots of time. Um. grouped together because they're kind of the sentences are the same they're in the same sentences so it's going to be verse 7 and verse 8 together and um, I'm going to read it and then I'm just going to expand on it so verse 7 says so that you are not lacking in anything as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord I'm not sure if you see it in all of that that I've just read there you'll see it on the screen but the first truth that is something we should know and if you've if you've haven't experienced or haven't been part of lift as we've journeyed through the acts of 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 of, of what it means to to live the acts of God um, as it was described to us through the book of acts is that as Christians we need to know that we are given all the spiritual gifts that we require in the letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians he expands on this to a beautiful degree if you you want to know we shared on this on the 26th of June if you haven't heard much about that just go go and spend that 35 minutes and listen to that message I can't do it justice in the remaining times what can I say about owning the spiritual gifts that the Lord has given you one it's a gift God gives it to you Two, we all who are living as Christians have the Holy Spirit within us and he gives us gifts to edify and glorify him and to be a blessing to the body and prophetically to those around us. But we have to have courage to use the gifts. And in our church, you experience that. You experience that when people are blessing you with hospitality. You experience that when someone is worshipping the Lord. You experience that when... We're praying together. You experience that when someone shares word into your lives, and speaks into your heart, and you know that God is speaking to you because they're exercising the gifts that God has given them. Please, friends, if you don't know that, just ask the Lord to fill you and to ask Him for the gifts. Ask Him for the gifts that He's given you. And uh, as I said, Christo shared an incredible teaching on it, twenty-sixth of June. Going to have a listen to that. So that's that's a truth and encouragement for us to hold on to and then finally the last one it's found in the last part of that verse and it says the following it says as you wait for the revealing of our lord jesus christ who will sustain you he's speaking about something that's coming he's saying to the church and he's, and we have been told as the church here in zook we do live with anticipation we should live with the hope that we have in Jesus. We should live with the hope that we have through what Jesus has done, through the resurrection. There is something so profound if we live with the hope that we know that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I found myself saying, well there's, there's one verse that I use always. When I think of hope, there's one verse that I just rest in. And and that's found in Romans chapter 15 verse 13 and it's just so juicy. Um, It says this, it's a declaration for each of us as children of God. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Friends, wrestling with this verse, asking the Lord, how do I share about hope? In what we're experiencing in our lives and this is what the lord says to me think of your own life and how many days you live not living by the hope and what it is that is making you go through a day or two and you never even thought about the hope this abounding hope in your life and the truth of the matter is there are things there are fears there are anxieties there are things we're dealing with in this world that we feel are bigger than the hope that is mentioned in the Bible. And that is real. And so I thought to myself, how do I get this across to you? And I've written a few things down and I've just said, Church, what is the fear that is squashing you from even thinking and living in the abundant hope of God? It's the biggest lie for each of us to feel that there's a pain that's bigger than the hope, that there's a disease that is bigger than the hope, that there is something you've done that is bigger than the hope. If all of us are children of God, we should know this because whoever believes in Jesus is washed by the blood of of jesus washed by the lamb and we'll live to live again thank you i was hoping someone would say that (laughs) and this is the truth for all of us friends as i was preparing i just got so excited about this because the pain we experience is temporary the anxiety we experience is temporary i'm not saying it's going to go away But if we live in the hope that we have that he's coming again because he defeated death as we sang that amazing song there's a hope in us that when you're facing these things in the world and man we face some things but if we face it with the reality this is temporary what we're experiencing now is like that little first little course we get the little piece of something very fancy but there's a whole main course coming if we live with that reality That God is just, this is just temporary. And it's hard. But boy, there's something more to come. It changes the way we carry on with life. That this verse becomes something like an orchestra just resounding in your hearts. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. You want that peace and joy in the midst of the things that you're living in. In the midst of the things that you're dealing with. Um, As you believe through the power of the Holy Spirit... That you and I may abound in hope. This is one of the foundations. I can you imagine this. Paul's writing to this church. He's about to tell him about a whole lot of bad things. And how they're going to correct it. But he says, hold on to these four truths. For church, I know you've gone all over the place. But these are the things that hold us together. And this is the last one he ends with. There is peace. There is joy. There is hope. That oversees all the stuff you guys were doing. Cling to that with all your hearts. That is what this church is about. Um, Because the truth for me is, and it's just so true for me, that I know that all of us, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But here's the thing. Some of us, when we confess that, we will be like him. Because we are Christ in us. And that's the hope for me. I don't live with that anxiety of that day. But I live with this reality that there's this day coming. That I'll be with him. And I'll be like him. I mean, I'll never be like, you know what I mean? We're gonna be in him. And it's not like other people that I know that when they bow their knee. They're going to know that they didn't know him and and I'll be very honest there's moments in my life when I'm facing people that are the meanest fuzzy bears in the world and you know what I do I look at their knees I look at their knees and then I say to myself Lord those knees are going to bow and and I, I, of course I pray that they know the Lord but I know in that moment I'm not feeling that but I look at their knees because I know that they will bow that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And um, only once in my life I had the courage to tell someone that when he was saying something really horrible about God, and he hasn't forgiven me yet. But I'm hoping he'll somehow live to know and just accept the Lord as, as His Lord. But mostly, that's something I feel in my heart. Um, but, but what I, I didn't—I wanted to go there. But I wanted to—I wanted to share that that this is the hope we live with, friends. Um, And for some of us, it's a breakthrough because the the thing we're dealing with is so much smaller than the hope that we have of something that's coming. And really, uh, there's not much more to say about that, that it is an abounding hope that we should have. And we should hold on to that as we deal with life here because it is temporary. And this verse that Paul writes, he says, this hope will help you and sustain you in the times that you will hold on till he comes again. Until you see him again, I want the band to come forward, because in this in this attitude of, I'm going to pray a prayer as we as we as we we're going to stand soon. I just want to summarize and just kind of lay those foundation of those few truths that I've just shared. Really trusting that you would you would hear them again, and God would really rest them in your hearts, because these are what we are as the as the living church. God writing a letter to us and saying God, God saying that church, lift church in the city of Zook. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to speak all the time. I am with you, he says, church. Talk about the good things. You don't have to talk about theology. Leave that to Piet. (laughs) But um, talk about the good things that God has done in your life. Talk about what you experience. And people would be drawn to the fragrance of Christ that you are. Friends, there is a unity that we find in knowing that we are holy, set apart. Rest in that beautiful sense. But it must call you to something different when you're unholy. But know that he sees you as holy. And for those that are with us today that don't know the lord and have never bowed the knee before him death is not the end there is hope jesus is the end for all of us that believe anxiety is not the end for those that believe jesus is our end for those diseases jesus is our end and let's let's just stand and i'd like to pray for us Father, as I just bring you this word that we shared. Lord, I I just want to thank you that your grace for me, you know each one of us, Lord. You see us, Lord, as we are. You love us as we are, Lord. But you don't leave us where we are keep showing your love it's unmerited favor it's love and it's more love. Today Lord as we shared this word for some of us Lord we needed to know that we need to have courage to really be able to share just the, of the good things that you're doing in our lives and to not be afraid. For some of us Lord we, We need to know that we haven't been called yet just to be successful in our work. But Lord, you have called us for a purpose for your glory in this city and in this time to be Jesus to the world. As we rub shoulders with the world, Holy Spirit, will you prompt us if we use our gifts to be a blessing to others. And Father, I call out, Lord, that you would enable us Lord to own this truth in the midst of the heaviness in the midst of fighting the anxieties that sometimes are just so overwhelming Lord we declare that we want to bear abounding in hope in the midst of what we are dealing with in this time of our lives Lord we want to be able to see the hope of you coming meeting with us being transformed and live in a way that only in our hearts we can desire in this time father may we know the hope that is found in jesus christ and may it be that cornerstone that will keep us solid and keep us there lord when we're facing all kinds of things may we abound in this lord for those of us who don't know you lord death is not the end There is life in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet us where we're at. May we know you, Lord, as we sing this song in Jesus' name. Amen.